You're listening to the Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. We know this will be an incredible resource for your life, so stay focused, listen up, and thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to part two in this podcast on prosperity, looking at really what the Bible is talking about when it talks about being prosperous. What does it mean when God says he wants you to prosper? Of course, the idea of the prosperity gospel uh, has a, a lot of critics. But I think in many senses, when people think about prosperity, they're thinking about the wrong things. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 says this, God speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It goes on to say plans to prosper you. In 3 John 2, it says, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And the Greek word prosper is the word euodow, which means to help on one's way to have a prosperous journey. And just as a brief recap, We said last week in the podcast that firstly, prosperity is first and foremost not about money. It's not about money. We can get money by following the principles of the word of God. And to be fair, you actually don't even need God to become rich. But there are a lot of rich people who have a lot of money, but are really not successful in life. God wants us to be rich. He wants us to be prosperous in marriage, in family, in ministry, in relationships, uh, in, in in our mental health and emotional health. So we said last week that prosperity is first and foremost not about money. The second thing we said in the last podcast was that a poverty spirit will hold you back from experiencing the prospering of God. A poverty spirit, a poverty mindset. And we explored nine signs of a poverty mindset. We said, number one, instant response to opportunity is, I haven't got enough money. Secondly, we said that opportunity to bless becomes an opportunity to gain. Thirdly, we said money and how to get it is number one thought. The fourth thing we said is that tithing becomes an option and tipping a reality. The fifth sign of a poverty mindset is that we struggle to remember the last time we were extravagantly generous. Sixthly, conversation is tainted with fear as opposed to faith. Seventhly, we renege on financial commitments and promises. Eighth, spending what you have on luxuries without a plan for saving is a poverty mindset. And the ninth sign of a poverty mindset is that you are more generous with other people's money than with your own. We really highlighted the idea that our identity is not found in what we possess, but it's found in who possesses us. We are God's. We belong to him. And then last week, we jumped into the third area, which is prosperity is available for you. We said last week that firstly, God wants to prosper you, to have that conviction And that secondly, prosperity is your choice. The third thing I want to say about prosperity, and we're going to uh, step into some new territory right now, is this, is that we prosper through obedience. In 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 3, it says this, Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. 
keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. It also says similar words in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You know, as an interesting observation, critics and naysayers always seek to pull down the blessed. The difference between the one who is blessed and one who is not is really found in the truth that one is obedient and the other is not. Whenever we've taken vision offerings in the life of our church, we've asked the church to pray, to really hear what is God saying to you? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And something incredible begins to happen when you hear God move you in such a way. And not only are you moved, but you then obey what God says. Crazy though it may seem, it is amazing how you begin to step into new levels of prosperity. I think it's a really important lesson for us all to not criticize another person because we don't really know what they went through in order to get there, to learn the lesson that we've got to be nice, that a lot of people who are prospering in our churches and in our lives are prospering simply because they have been obedient to the voice of God and the call of God for their lives. My father used to be a minister of a church. He was a pastor for many years before he died about 25 years ago or so. And in all of his ministry life, his salary was always below the poverty line. In fact, he was always paid uh, not just below average, but he was paid at the poverty line. And, you know, as a family, we didn't have new things. We, we didn't have new cars. We didn't really have, you know, uh, new clothes and things like that. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money in our house. But one lesson I did learn as a child is that you don't need money in order to be happy. Our house was full of love. It was full of community. It was full of support and encouragement, etc., etc. But I do remember a moment and a season in my mum and dad's life where my father had been pastoring for many years, always below the poverty line. And when I was 15 years of age, my family relocated from Australia to the United Kingdom. And after being in the church for about a year, there was a businessman in the church who bought my father a brand new car. Now, friend, you've got to understand, this had never, ever happened before in our lives. And I remember being so excited about this new car. We'd never had anything like it in our lives. And, and the excitement of sitting in the front seat, dad driving us to, to school or, or to church or whatever. But I was absolutely amazed when I heard the critics begin to speak of dad's new car. People saying really nasty and really horrible things. And the reality was this, is that the people who were saying those things had not walked the journey that my father and my family had walked through. They hadn't been there when we needed miracles to pay the rent or pay the mortgage on the house that we had lived in and food on the table and things like that. And really, as a family, we stepped into a season of, of prospering and, and blessing. 
And it really came on the back of the obedience, the line of obedience that my mum and dad had walked for many years. And of course, we were thankful and grateful to that businessman as well for purchasing that new car and giving it as a gift. But the lesson is simply this. We prosper through obedience. And friend, I would encourage you, let's not become critics and negative. Let's, let's not become naysayers and look at people as with green eyes of jealousy and wish we had what they had. You don't know what they walk through in order to get to where they are. Let's just simply focus on a life of obedience because the Bible teaches us we prosper when we listen to God's voice. The fourth thing is this, we prosper through repentance. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Let me read that again. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Hey, listen, my friend, it is really this whole idea that does your life stand up to the New York Times test? That if a journalist came and investigated your life, do you have a secret life or are you living a life that's clean and holy behind the scenes? Honestly, you sleep so much better when you are living a life with no secrets, nothing hidden away, no skeletons in the closet. You have no fear over your computer browser history being discovered. No fear over your phone being taken and hacked. No, no fear from the tax man and woman. No fear in people seeing where you spend your money. We prosper through repentance. And I think that in a day and age where sins and misdemeanors by people are being exposed left, right, and center. It's more important now than ever that we all keep light accounts with each other, with ourselves, with things that maybe are happening behind the scenes. Friends, we prosper through repentance. The fifth thing the Bible says is this, is that we prosper for the house of God, for the house of God, for the house of God. Psalm 1.3, a person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. Psalm 122.9, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. There is a unique correlation between prospering of God's house and your house. The fifth thing is that you prosper for the house of God. In Psalm 122 verse 9, it says, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Do you know when we read the Bible, there is a unique correlation between the prospering of God's house and the prospering of your house. I really believe that God prospers me so I can prosper his house. God prospers his house. So your house can prosper. That's why the Bible's very clear. Blessed are the man and woman who are planted in the house of God. Psalm 1 verse 3, a person is planted like a tree beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever you do will prosper. You are prospered for the house of God. The sixth thing about prosperity is this, is that prosperous 
actions reap prosperity. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will in turn be refreshed. Luke 6 38 says, given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap for the measure you use. It will be measured to you. Friend, when were you last generous, ridiculously generous, generous with your family, your friends, your church, your business, your colleagues, your enemies? When were you last generous? A story is told about a farmer whose friends were shocked. They were shocked at his prosperity because he gave away so much and yet he prospered all the more. His friends gathered around him one day and said, how is it that the more you give away, it doesn't seem to make an impact on how much you have? And his comment was this. He said, as I shovel into God's kingdom, God shovels back into my life and God has a bigger shovel. Prosperous actions reap prosperity. A farmer will tell you that if he wants to have uh, an, a, a harvest of apple trees, then he has to plant the apple seed. And the reality is this, friends, is that in order for prosperity to come back into your life, it's so important that we sow prosperous acts, prosperous deeds. We were on a staff retreat for our church, currently in a in a building giving building, offering, raising, fundraising campaign. We're building a new cathedral in one of our city center campuses and working hard to raise the funds so that we can build our new cathedral. And while we were on a staff retreat for our church, I really felt God speak to me about giving away a percentage of our building fund into another church, into another ministry, because they too were seeking to build a building. I called our, the trustees of our church and uh, we took some of the non-designated funds and sowed it into another ministry, into another church. And it seemed like a crazy thing to do that we would do that. And yet what came back in kind, in form, was truly remarkable. As we sowed prosperity, as we sowed by doing a prosperous action, we reaped prosperity and breakthrough in another way. You know, the Bible's pretty clear. It says, God can't be deceived. He can't be mocked. A man and a woman will reap what they sow. So my question to you is this, is are you sowing prosperous actions and deeds? Because as you continue to do so, you will at some point reap a great harvest. The seventh thing about prospering is that you prosper through attitude. Psalm 37 verse 11 says this, The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Meek is fantastic. The idea of being meek, it, it represents four things. It, it Firstly, it represents non-ownership based. In other words, this understanding that everything I have belongs to God. So 
When I'm acting in a way that's meek, my car is God's, my house is God's, my family is God's, the money in my savings or investment account, it's actually belonging to God. The second thing meek means is to be non-competitive. In other words, we're not jealous of others. We're not looking at them like a green-eyed monster. And it's one thing to be competitive in business, but to be competitive as an individual. To be meek means not to be competitive with another person's blessing, with another person's life. The third thing meek means is it means to be non-arrogant. In other words, to not be full of pride. To be meek really means to be teachable. And I think the great challenge with arrogance and pride is this, is that when you are arrogant and pride, you can't be taught. But the Bible's clear in Psalm 37 that the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The fourth thing it means to be meek is this, is to be non-me-centric. In other words, God first. So a great question to ask yourself every time you get money is this, is you get to ask yourself, who do I worship? Because in that moment, where we give our money determines truly what we worship the most and who we worship the most. The eighth thing about prosperity is that divine prosperity breeds peace. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper. The word prosper is akin here to the word shalom, meaning peace. In other words, to be able to live with peace and lead with peace and do business with peace and, of course, sleep with peace. And that can happen when you are not constantly driven to the bank account. Friend, I want you to know that divine prosperity breeds peace. One of the reasons for that is because Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. Back when I was a child growing up, we had friends who had a pool. And I used to love going to this friend's house. I didn't know his dad's name. I just knew he was the man with the pool. And the great thing about going to his house, the man with the pool, is that every time I went to his house, I got to swim in his pool. Hey, listen, Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And whenever you do anything with the Prince of Peace, you just know that alongside the idea of prosperity comes this whole notion of peace. You can have peace in your pursuit of prosperity. The ninth thing is this, is that prosperity needs space. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Let me read that phrase again. It is he, God, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
Prosperity needs space. So a brilliant question to ask is this, is what God are you saying about my life of prospering? What are you saying about me prospering in family, in marriage, in business, with my money, with my mental and emotional health? What are you saying? Because in order to have the ability to produce wealth, it needs space, it needs time. And maybe at the end of this podcast, you can take just 10 minutes to sit and to reflect on what maybe God is saying to you, because God wants to prosper you. And Deuteronomy 8 says, says he has already given you the ability to produce wealth. That's mind blowing. The 10th and the final thing about prospering is this, is that we prosper through intention. And so I finish with these two questions. Question one, do I live with a poverty spirit or a prosperous spirit? Question two, when was I last ridiculously generous? My prayer for you is that you truly would know what it is to prosper all the days of your life. For he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. For more information, visit us online at audaciouschurch.com.